me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. But give me Jesus. When I'm in prayer, when I am in prayer, oh, when I am in prayer, when I am in prayer, oh, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. I feel alone when I am alone. Oh, when I am alone. When I am alone. Will give me Jesus? Give me. Sing that chorus again. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Jesus, you can have all this world, but give me Jesus. My provider, you are more than enough for me. Oh. 
that one more time. Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. My, my provider. Amen. You are thankful for that? It is no secret. Amen. No matter what you need, He's there for us. Amen. I want to welcome you to the service this morning. Um, 
If you just continue to play that, Sister Becky, softly. We're going to open the service in a word of prayer. I want to welcome uh, our visitors. We've got quite a few visitors here today with us, which is great because we've got a lot of regular people missing. So it's good to have our visitors here with us. Um, we're going to uh, ask Brother Jeremy uh, Clayville if he'll come and open the service in a word of prayer and take these prayer requests uh, before the throne. Uh, we want to remember the Pascals that are not here. We want to remember uh, the Browns. They're away. Uh, we want to remember our sister Cassia Clayville. She's away. Um, the drums are not here. Brother uh, Joe, I guess, hurt his Achilles. So, uh, and Sister Frieda are not here. We want to remember them in prayer. Brother Ben and Sister Rachel Pritchard are not here. Brother Keith Buchanan is working. Um, Sister Madeline and Brother Emmanuel Irish are away in Ohio. So we want to remember them. Uh, we also want to remember Sister Sarah Buchanan. She's at home not feeling well. Brother John Cockman's at home uh, with a fractured tooth, which having been in that before situation, that is very painful. So we want to remember him in prayer. Um, Sister the Whitlocks aren't here. Sister Hannah Whitlock is not feeling well and needs a touch from the Lord. A lot of needs. If you have an unspoken need, just want to make it known for the lifted hand. Brother Jeremy, you want to come? Just thankful, amen, this morning that there is no matter what our needs are. Amen. Whether they're emotional, physical, spiritual, even financial, amen, there is somewhere where we can go. Amen. That has somebody who's got their arms open for us. Amen. Brother Jeremy. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we're thankful to gather once again in your house, Lord, to worship you. Lord, we don't take it lightly. We, Lord, are a needy people, Father, but you've, you've made a way, Lord. And Father, we just come to you asking, Lord, that first you just forgive us, Lord, of our shortcomings. Lord, that you would hear us through the blood. Fathers, we lay these petitions and needs at your throne, God. We, we don't tell you how to fulfill it, Lord, but we just stand to say, Lord, we believe in your word. Lord, you said that you would heal us. You'd provide for us. Lord, you'd not forsake us. Lord, there's, there's nothing too big for you, Lord, and we take comfort in that. Lord, as, uh, we just ask, Father, for your mercy for those traveling, Lord, for those sick. We ask that you would bring them back, Lord, and uh, with a good report of your faithfulness. Lord, as we just turn our hearts to you this morning, I ask, God, that we could just, Lord, enter into worship, Father, and lift you up, Lord. Father, we ask that you'd have the preeminence, Lord, in all that's done this morning. Lord, I ask that you would prepare our hearts for the word, Lord, as just pray that it would find good ground in our hearts, Lord. We love you. And just give all this into your hands in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Turn and greet those that are around you. (laughs) It's a little weird doing that. It's a little awkward. It's good to have everybody here. 
Um, there's a song that I've been thinking about this morning. So I was having breakfast with my youngest daughter. Um, I was thinking about the song, Shout to the Lord, uh, My Jesus, My Savior. We're here today, man. I'm thankful for it, amen. It's a little rainy outside, but I'm thankful that in our hearts, amen, here we can bring our uh, little licks of fire, gather them together, all together, in one room again, not separated out, nobody having to wear masks if they don't want to. It's great. It's good to have everybody here. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty Amen. My comfort, my shelter, power of refuge and strength. Oh, let it Amen. All that I am never cease to worship you. Oh, shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down. Hallelujah. 
It's going to take you whether I should sing another song or not. Check, 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 check. Praise the Lord. Good to be together today. My my wife and I and my, our children have been traveling a bit, so it's a pleasure to be with you. It's been, a, of course, a challenging last couple of years, but by God's grace, it's been a wonderful couple of years, growing in the Lord, pressing on. what everyone loves to hear a guitar being tuned close enough this is a little song really about a couple years ago I was just praying it's actually before all the wonderful COVID things took place but just as fast as the world is going by and everything that's happening in the world just praying about Lord you know I don't want to be so caught up in those things that I miss the reverence and the those precious moments between us and the Lord, you know, when we slow down and really just take our time to, to really be serious before the Lord. So just a little prayer about that.
and worship you. Everything can run by as I hide away in you. A quiet secret place hidden from view. Deep, so deeply calling, Lord, I'm drawing strength from you, and I close my eyes and worship you. Can run by as I hide away in you. No, I've seen giants so tall. Seen those giants fall now with evil raging, we're pressing to the final call, and I close my eyes and worship you. Everything can run by as I hide away in you. I close my eyes and worship you. run by as I sings, I, I feel like I could just sit there and listen to him another three or four songs. Enjoyed that. Let's uh, stand. We're going to ask our ushers to come this time, and we'll take up the uh, morning offering.
Brother Andy, if you could ask the blessing on the offering this morning. We're going to sing a song that uh, is a little outside my comfort zone, so uh, please help me. Um, Worthy is the Lamb. We'd sing it when Brother Matt Watkins was here. He helped teach us when he was here the last time. Thank you for the cross. Yeah, there it is. Perfect. I'm going to need lots of help, Mitch, so sing loud. (laughs) Worthy is the Lamb. Oh, thank you. Sorry. Thank you for the cross. Yeah, let's start. Thank you at the cross. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid, bearing all my sin and shame. In love you came and gave amazing grace. Thank you for the in that one, or at least I am. Let's sing as Brother Barry gets ready to come. Um, 
this is your house. Aren't you thankful this is his house? Amen. This is his house and it looks great after all of our renos and it looks nice and it's good to come and see everybody and visit. But I'm thankful this is his house too. Amen. That it doesn't matter whether we're by ourselves, we're slowing down like Brother Nathaniel's saying, things are fast, he's there. Amen. He's there to dwell with us. Amen. This is your house. Father, come and dwell. This is your house. A holy house of prayer where the lost and the lonely bring their burdens and their cares. This is your Father, come and dwell. We are your house. A holy house of prayer where the lost and the lonely more time we are your house father come and dwell we are your house a holy house of prayer where the lost and the lonely bring their burdens and their Yes, we are your house. Come and dwell. Have your way. Lord, have your way. your prayer now. Let's sing it together from your heart. Oh, have your way. Thank you, 
Jesus. Have your way. Holy Spirit, fill our hearts and have your way. And as we wait, as we pray, speak Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have to be able to come into your presence, Lord. We don't come boldly, but Lord, we just come softly and gently realizing that we are here just by your grace. And Lord, because you've made a way for us. Now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, that you would just take every spirit under your control. That, Lord, you might just operate the gift, and I pray that you would just take what is said, Lord, and may it just... May it just become real in our lives. May, Lord, people see the manifestation of Christ in our lives in a greater way, Lord. That's all of our all of our desire, Lord. And for that, we have to get out of the way. We just ask, Lord Jesus, that you teach us, show us, Lord, the things that we have need of, especially in such a treacherous hour that we've come to. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the people. Thank you for those that are able to listen today, Lord, those that are abroad and We pray now that your grace would be extended to those that need a healing touch, those that need your help, Lord. We think especially Brother John Cockman today, and we ask that you would bless him, Lord, and ease that pain. Father, we commit his need to you together, and believing, Lord, that you're still a great physician today. Lord, just take the word now, I pray, and just deposit it in every heart. We'll give you thanks and praise in Jesus Christ's name. Amen and amen. You may be seated this morning. God bless you. <clears throat> well, let's, uh, let's just begin this morning. We've got a couple of announcements that we want to give there. Thank you, musicians. It'll be just fine. Uh, tomorrow is Anastasia Mail's birthday, right? Wonderful. And it's the Stevens' anniversary. They're not here today. Uh, we wish them a happy anniversary. It is good to have uh, Ted and Suzanne Doucette with us today, and uh, God bless you. That's Sister uh, Leah's parents. Good to have them with us today. Uh, we want to remember, uh, or sorry, also, June 1st is Ben and Sharon's anniversary, right? How many years? 19 years. Wonderful. God bless you. We appreciate Brother Ben and Sister Sharon and family. June 4th is Jeremy Clayville's birthday, right? How old are you, Jeremy? Really? And holding. Yeah. Hold tight. June 5th is the Harvel's uh, anniversary. How many years? 28. God bless you both. We appreciate the Harvel's very much. Well, um, I wanted to ask you this morning, we have um, uh, Brother Troy and Connie who are not here uh, today. They're away they, annually. They go away on the Memorial Day weekend. We're also glad to have the Airwoods here today. I don't know whether they got mentioned or not. And uh, we want to remember John Cockman had a 
Uh, he texted me just before I came out there, and it's per, still pretty painful for him, so we want to remember him uh, in prayer. Now, Sister Karen, we announced your birthday last Sunday. You may have heard it. Public embarrassment is good for the soul, so may God bless you on the 29th of May, and uh, may God bless you. Well, I want to jump right into things, but there's two things I have to do. Number one is I wanted to show you this. Uh, Brother Davey Mwanza is on the, on the path again. And uh, he is our translator in uh, the country of Zambia, and he's also uh, very faithful in getting out there and delivering uh, books and materials out in places that are really remote. I have no idea where this is. I know it's in the western side of, uh, or sorry, the eastern side of Zambia. And uh, they all got together and they sang a little chorus. They love to do that when they uh, have a gathering like this. He's given out four books there, The Seven Seals, The Church Ages, Daniel, Seventy Weeks, and Adoption. And uh, they're receiving these books for the uh, very first time out there. And that's what they're holding up. They're excited to have that. In Malawi, uh, just uh, there's so many tremendous things that are happening there. And uh, these are uh, Bibles. There was uh, thousands of Bibles that were purchased. And they're loading up trucks. They're going into the back country, uh, out into the jungle and remote areas. And uh, they're uh, distributing Bibles there to the people. Now, the sisters in the background are singing. And I really wish I had that because uh, you're, uh, in, in the experiences that I've had, uh, when it comes to how the people in Malawi worship, uh, I will tell you, it, uh, it will do something to you when you listen to those people sing and how they worship and the way that they worship. It's just absolutely a beautiful thing. So I don't have the, the music here. But uh, that's what they're doing in the background. And so the ministers are traveling. They're going out in the areas where uh, no electricity, no water, no stores, no, certainly no Christian books and Bible stores. I don't think there's any Christian bookstores left in the world. Uh, but uh, they're, they're getting new Bibles out there and uh, receiving them. And they're just very excited here. And they asked me to convey to you and to all those people who make that possible uh, to thank you very much for the donations and mission offerings that are given. And uh, we certainly do appreciate uh, all of that, but not as much as they do. They surely do appreciate, uh, appreciate that. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. That is to take your uh, right hand like this and then bring it to wherever your cell phone is and make sure it's turned off. Just saying. If it rings in service, I get to answer it. Okay? That's the condition. Let's have our uh, reading this morning. If you don't mind, let's stand to our feet here. And let's read in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be sending a load of material over to Guyana today. Uh, We're going to be packing to send. It's going to go to Baltimore, from Baltimore to New York, New York on a boat. And it'll go to Guyana uh, with Brother Mark's help. We're getting it down to believers in Guyana. And so if you have things that you want to bring, never brought them, we'll, uh, we'll be doing more of this. So uh, hold on to your items until we let you know. Good to have all of you here today. Appreciate, uh, appreciate you being here. Good to have the Ivies back. And uh, just each and every one, may the Lord bless you. And this is Florence, right? God bless you. Sister Florence is from uh, Ghana and a friend of Caleb, and lives in Gastonia area. Good to have her here today. And Daniel, right? God bless you. And uh, welcome. We are honored to have you with us today. 
All right, Matthew chapter 5. But I say unto you, love your enemies and bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good. And sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. May God add his blessing. You may be seated this morning. In many ways, the subject that we're dealing with in referring to the Holy Ghost and uh, the real thing is, is kind of an elementary thing. But I, I, I knew that we would start off kind of in a simple way. But now that we kind of have the ice broken, and for those of you that have, you know, are visiting today and uh, maybe tuning in for the first time, uh, this, is, uh, this is not really an unusual subject or a strange subject that needs a lot of explanation. So we're just going to kind of jump in give you a couple little screens of review, and then we're going to just uh, take this where uh, the Holy Spirit would have it to go today. And uh, I just want to say before we begin here, it's getting nice to have Nathaniel and Charity here, and uh, Charity has long been a friend of our family for many, 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 many years, Brother Lonnie Jenkins' granddaughter, and she was served as my secretary for a number of, different, number of years, and uh, she's just... Uh, a special friend of the family, and this is a special weekend for her, so uh, we're just honored to have them with us today, uh, just passing through. And we've had them at our house for a couple of days as well. I appreciate all the birthday uh, wishes and texts and everything, and uh, even even what our uh, young people sent. Appreciate all those, and uh, <clears throat> I think, and... Uh, it, it's, uh, it's not a blessing to have another birthday, but it was a blessing on the birthday. It was really nice for the gathering that we had and for all of your communications. All right, so let's just start in. And we've titled this uh, sermon, this uh, thought, The Real Thing. Because uh, if, we, if we go back, if we go back, when you think about it, at the end of the road, uh, this is where we don't want to be. We don't want to be in an impassable spot. Now, we know that all of us are born in sin, right, shaped in iniquity. So we, we, we're across a divide from God anyway. That's, that's the way we've been born, right? That's the way we've been birthed. We can describe it in lots of different ways. And because that gap is uncrossable, there's nothing in our human power that's able to get us across the gap, then we as human beings, we respond to that separation from God in a variety of ways. Like, I can make this. I can do it. I can do good deeds. I can give money. I can attend church or I, uh, live morally uh, in an acceptable way. But there's nothing that really satisfies the distance between where mankind is by virtue of his natural birth and where he needs to be. As you were born to commune with God. You were born to be with God. And so, therefore, there's nothing really uh, that you and I could have done because we were born by imperfect blood, and there's no acceptance in the eyes of God if we sacrificed even ourselves. So there's no way that we could do that. But the good news is that Jesus paid it all. And because he paid it all, he closed that gap between sinful man and a righteous God, and he brought us together back in harmony. You've seen these screens before. And the idea is that now we're able to live... Uh, in communion with God, because that's what God intended for us to, to enjoy. 
But remember now that in this life, it's only a, uh, I say only, it's a spiritual relationship that we have. But eventually, and because God did this, we're able to enjoy a literal, physical, eternal relationship with God. How many of you are glad? Say amen. I don't need you to be quiet with me today. Now I need you to follow with me as we, uh, as we develop this this morning. I need your help. And so therefore, we want to have the real thing because we don't want to be left at the wrong side of the chasm when this is all over. We want to have the real thing that brings us to the right place. And remember, as we've said before, we want to be right so we're not left. And it's important for us, therefore, to follow uh, the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's an easy thing to say. We all say it. We say it all the time. But we need to explore what that means. God gave you the Holy Spirit as a guide. We were fishing on, on my birthday, and me and rivers and birthdays kind of go together. But nonetheless, we had uh, three boats. There were six of us who were fishing, and uh, there was three boats. Each boat, each boat had a guide. And the guides never pushed us out from the river bank and said, best of luck. There's good fish out there. Have at it. They didn't do it. Our guides got in the boat with us, and they sailed with us right to the very end. And they were helpful because they, uh, they, they were able to know the, uh, the uh, risks or the uh, rough spots in the river and where the rapids were and where we needed to navigate around. They were also good at helping us to make sure that we had the right equipment and everything was lined up right. These guides were personal. These guides got in there and they were with us right to the very end. There's no difference in, in how the Holy Spirit works in your life. He does not send us with all these books and uh, all these principles and doctrines and Bibles. He doesn't send us to the end and say, hey, good luck, see you in the millennium, hope you make it. Holy Spirit didn't do that. He said, I'll be with you, even in you, to the end of the way. He helps us to, to navigate around the rough, uh, the rough places. He helps us to uh, avoid the, the, the rocks. He helps us to know exactly uh, where we should fish and where we should not. He, uh, he, he's one who helps us through the difficult times of life, if you let him. You have to let them. You've got to be willing to let them. It, it really would be futile for me to say to our guide, listen, I know what you're telling me about fishing there, but I think I'm going to fish over there. Be futile because he's, he's, he's much more knowledgeable than I am. He knows, he knows the river uh, much better than I do. And I will tell you, the Holy Spirit knows the way to his own house. He's not confused about where his house is. He's not confused about the way. He's not confused about uh, the traps that are along the path. He's not confused about how the devil will try to trip you up. He's not confused about how to help you in the most difficult of times, right? And so therefore, as Brother Branham says that uh, when the day of Pentecost came, he said every person that enters into the baptism of the Holy Spirit has the same kind of Holy Ghost they got on the day of Pentecost. Same kind, same person of the Holy Ghost. Not something that looked like it, but the real thing. And the Holy Spirit brings forth the same kind of evidence and proof that they had back there comes of the same Holy Ghost. So that's great, because now we have some precedent. We have some idea that if God dealt with them back there, God also will, uh, will equally deal with us the same way up here. He doesn't change, right? He doesn't have a better way. He hasn't learned things since the day of Pentecost. How many would agree? He hasn't learned a better way. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever, which is a cornerstone of the ministry in the last day. And so, therefore, if he knew how to lead and guide the church in that day, he knows how to lead and guide the church today. If he knows how to get us, you know, through that exodus, he knows how to get us through this exodus. He knows, he knows what we have need of along the journey. So, 
uh, it, it's, it's a, uh, to me, that's a very comforting thing. Uh, to know that we have the same Holy Ghost, because we can look back and see how he worked through the ages, how he worked in the lives of individual people, and how he worked with the church corporate. But Brother Branham said, it's not something that just looked like that or mimicked that. It is the real thing, and that's what we want to have, and we want to make sure we got the real stuff in order to get to the right place, right? So we talked about these questions here, and we're kind of dealing with them one by one as we go through this. But <clears throat> I want to... I want to just say this this morning here because we never got to this last Sunday. And so I want to deal with this. The Lutherans, the Methodists, and the Pentecostal all had an interpretation about what having the Holy Spirit looked like, sounded like, and acted like. They all had an idea, right? It's not necessarily that they were wrong, but they were certainly incomplete. We could say that. And I'm not being disrespectful or critical here. These men were moving in the light they knew. They were moving according to the revelation that they had. And they were not wrong, because the whole, accepting Christ is the first step, right? And, and we say, well, the joy of the Lord, or laughing in the Spirit, or whatever it was the Methodists had. Hey, let me tell you, if you go back and read the stories of, uh, from Jonathan Edwards' time, and John Wesley, and Charles Wesley, and, uh, you know, different uh, men like that, George Whitfield. Uh, let me tell you, they, they preach what they knew. They preach it with a passion. And they, uh, they, they got results based on what they knew. And this is how the Holy Spirit was operating in that day. So if God's caused it, it's not wrong. But we will say that it was not complete. God had more for the people of God, right? Just like we can say today that we have got great things. But let me tell you, God's got more. And what he's got for you is a new body. You're not going to be left in that body. He's going to bring you on to full redemption. Isn't that right? How many are glad you're going to get a new body? <clears throat> I certainly am. But when it comes to, Brother Branham says, and we find out that all of it was wrong, when they made that evidence an absolute, then that's a wrong conclusion. Okay? So he says a token is a token. This is reserved for the last time, the last day. It's you and Christ as persons together. It's the Holy Spirit, his life in you, working his own life through you. Now, you've heard that and we've said that. That's got to take on more meaning to us, all right? We've got to find out how that's actually applied. It's you and Christ as persons together. It's the Holy Spirit, his life in you, working his own life through you. And it's for the rich and the poor, forever, uh, whosoever will uh, receive it. So it's not limited to, uh, you know, us looking at Brother Branham and seeing the Holy Spirit use him. It's not limited to that. How many would agree? It's not limited to just preachers or spiritual people or people who've been in a message a long time. It's not limited to that at all, but it's for whosoever will. In other words, it, it, it's, not, uh, it's not exclusive uh, of anyone in the body of Christ. The principle is this, that the Holy Spirit wants to join with you for all the rest of this journey and all throughout eternity. His life is in you, and he's working that life. He's actually expressing himself. How many believe that? All right, now... Here's the, here's the statement now that I wanted to get to. And Brother Bram talks about the token here. He's defining it. And he said it is the evidence of a price being paid. You cannot get it until the price is paid. Believe it, accept it, and full obedience to the whole word of God will entitle you to the token. Full obedience, not partial obedience, full obedience to the whole word of God will entitle you to the token. Full obedience. All right, so here we go. What is full obedience we need to explore that a little bit this morning. First of all, I put that scripture in there in 1 Samuel chapter 8, where you'll remember we talked about this scripture and another one in Samuel, where uh, the people were warned uh, by Samuel because they wanted to have a king of their choice. They wanted to pick their own king. 
And they said, we want to be like other nations, and we want to, uh, you know, be regarded as, as uh, among the nations, someone that has a king, and, you know, we have this invisible king or this invisible ruler who is God, and we, you know, we thank God for God, but you know what, we'd like to have a king. And uh, Samuel was told by God to go warn the people. If you have a king, there's, there's consequences for that choice. And you're going to, your nation's going to change. Now, God did have in mind to have a king, right? Because he knew there was a David coming, right? Very soon there was a David coming. But it, it is the devil's, uh, you know, best, uh, best play to jump ahead or to drag behind. And uh, these people now all of a sudden were saying, well, we want to have a king of our choosing. We want to have somebody who looks like a king, and, and we want to be like the other nations. And Samuel said, nay. Uh, he said, that's not, the best, that's not the best way to go. And the people, you know, he explained it to them. We went through that in the Scripture, explained it to them. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey. They, did, they were not throwing God out. They were not, there's nothing in that passage that says that uh, we want to distance ourselves from God. and We want to disbelieve prophets. And enough, They didn't say that at all. They just said, we want to add this. Now remember, God said that you've you got to be careful that you don't add to or take away from the Word of God, right? It's always something that you've got to watch out for. But they wanted to add this king. And despite all the explanations that they gave, they still said, nay. We're going to go with the king. We like this king idea. We're going to go with that. And Samuel is totally despondent. He feels rejected there. And he goes to God, and God looks at his heart and says, Hey, Samuel, relax. He said, Before they rejected you, they rejected me. And in rejecting you, they rejected me. We can't call that full obedience, can we? All right. Let's look at some examples of full obedience. God said to Abraham, he said, separate yourself from your kindred, and that's what you have to do a lot of times, is separate yourself from a lot of unbelief. And remember, until Abraham fully obeyed God, the blessing never came until he fully obeyed God. Let's say that again. And remember, until Abraham fully obeyed God, the blessing never came until he fully obeyed God. He took his daddy along, and he caused trouble. All kinds of different factors there. And then Lot finally caused trouble in the, herd, in the herdsmen. And then as soon as he got separated from everything like God, he said he fully obeyed. As soon as he got separated from everything like God had told him, then he fully obeyed. That's when he fully obeyed, when he got rid of everything that God did not want him to include. And when he come to full obedience, then God brought the blessing. Could it be that God waits for us also to, uh, to carry out what he's uh, required of us? Could it be that God expects us to obey because he's got a blessing in store? Could it be that when the Holy Spirit is convicting you about something that doesn't belong in your life or doesn't belong in, your, uh, in, in the menu of your life, that, uh, you know, you feel convicted about that and you begin to separate it from it? Hey, God sees that. God sees that effort every time. And we thank God for that, that, uh, you know, he observes those things and we obey his word. And sometimes it's just a little at a time. It's just a line upon a line and just a, maybe a little thing that you hear in service or something that you, in reading your Bible or something, you know, you feel convicted about that and you act on it. Let me, let me assure you that as small as it may be or as big as it may be, God sees that and God honors that. And with Abraham, he separated, uh, you know, as, as God told him and his father and uh, his nephew and everybody else. And finally, it's just Abraham alone with God. And God, uh, you know, sometimes he just delights in, in you being alone with him without any other interruption. 
Uh, you know what? I, I just feel sometimes, I know that raising families is hard today, and I feel when I see families, you know, trying to somehow integrate uh, back into the world and back into worldly activities and back into sports and all kinds of things that, uh, you know, because, the, the, you know, there's different uh, things that sometimes even parents want to have, and they can wind up being, you know, less than positive influences on children. You, you have you got to be real careful. You got Brother Bram said, keep your kids in athletic company. As, no, it's not what he said. You got to keep them in Christian company as long as you can. I believe that we as a church, we have a responsibility to supplement that. And uh, I, I think it's important for us to be uh, mindful of that. And, and we are. This, and, and June 19th, we're going to have a, a, a session here with our young people, 13 and up. We're going to have a, a gathering here. June 19th, we're going to be doing that on Saturday night. We have a guest speaker, and we're going to be gathering together. And as we integrate back into, uh, you know, having some activities there, I, I think it's an important thing because our, our young people need it. And, and it, it's, it's, a, it's a positive thing. It's a profitable thing. So in the process of, of separating, you know, it's not always, that's always not an easy thing. It's always not a pleasant thing to be separate because the activities that uh, people partake of in the world, without any conscience and without any hesitation, they'll participate in things here. Uh, you know, you should be looking at that and say, where would that take my child? Matter of fact, that's a really good question for you to be asking about a lot of things. Because you can enter into a relationship, or you can go to a church, or you can get involved with a ministry or something else. And the question you need to ask is, where is that going to take me? And if that's taking you farther from God, or that's taking you away, that's taking you uh, to a point of distraction, and that's, that's causing an interruption in your spiritual life and your spiritual growth, you need to answer that question honestly and say, that's not taking me in a good direction. That's not taking me in a good place. Are we okay? Everybody here? It's not always a pleasant thing. Brother Bram said sometimes you have to do it. But remember now, the, the thing that God's looking for is not whether you're a good, um, what do you call it when somebody juggles their schedule and gets it all balanced out, multitasker, and uh, whether you got, you know, got it all, all your ducks in a row, uh, it doesn't take long for ducks to get messed up on the water or, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen that or not. They, they, they get messed up a lot. And so we can feel like, all right, we got it in order and God will look at that and sometimes, you know, just, just uh, flap the sheet and all of a sudden, you know, your order is not so orderly anymore. You're better off getting in tune with His order and His way and His design for your life. And that's not always an easy thing. It's not always a, a simple thing to do. And sometimes it causes separation. But again, what we're reading here is that full obedience entitles you to the token. Isn't the token the thing you want to have at the last, when this is all over? Isn't that the thing you want to have? Sure it is. The Bible said, now I need you to notice something. See that asterisk? You locals know what that means. And then I put in the word principle right here. Because this is what I'm going to refer to as an important principle. Okay? Hang on to this. We're going to use this this morning. Here we go. Brother Branham says, the Bible says that we've got to cast down reasoning. And when your soul says that Jesus is my healer and I now believe it and accept it. And Brother Branham had a gift of healing. God gave a gift of healing to the world. Brother Branham often used an example of a gift of healing. That's not the only example now that we could insert in here. 
But when your soul, when your soul says, and the inside of the inside, not your flesh, when your soul says, not logically, when your soul says, Jesus is my healer and I now believe it and accept it, then reasonings move out and your soul comes in first place. Whatever God says won't reason at all. It'll take God at his word. I want my soul to come in first place. Uh, You know what? My body may not come in at all. My spirit may wonder or my spirit may question things or whatever else. My spirit may be grieved at the things that the doctor is telling me or, you know, things that are happening around me. But you know what's important is that your soul comes in first. Because isn't that where God lives? That's where the eternal part of God lives is on the inside of the inside. Now watch what he says. He says, and your soul comes in first place, and whatever God says, one reason at all, it'll take God at his word, and that's what brings the results. That's what brings the results. When your soul comes in first place, and you're agreeing with, and siding with, and being fully obedient to the word of God, you know what? That's where results come. Results don't come because I preach really good. Results don't necessarily come because you're in a good church. Results come because you, from the inside of the inside, agree with and amen and, uh, you know, uh, walk in tune with, in harmony with the Word of God. That's when results come. You want to have results. That's the formula right there. That's the principle. And what brings your results? It's simply taking God at His Word. Now watch now. Because in the true born-again saints of God, Your soul will always agree with God's Word. When you're born again, that's one of the characteristics of actually uh, having the real real thing, is that you always agree with God's Word, but your reasoning might differ with it. Your reasoning might be different. It's what he says. Doctor says, you have no way to live. We've done everything we can. There's no further treatment there. Hey, there's, there's nothing else we can do. When your soul agrees with God's Word, then you know what? We've got this thing that, that looks like full agreement, full obedience, right? It may not be logical. It may not be sensible. But nonetheless, it is true. And full obedience will bring the results. Oh, come on, folks. You remember, you remember uh, Joshua when he got the marching orders to march around the city? Because that's how we're going to take the city out. That's how we're going to take Jericho out. Logically, that's not how you take down big cities with thick walls. Logically, that's not how you destroy an army that's resident behind a fortress. That's not how you do it. But, but Joshua went over the top of that reasoning and over the top of that military strategy, and he went over the top of thinking about it and looking at the circumstances, and he just simply said, if God said to march and God said to blow trumpets, we're going to do it. And when he did it, he got results. All right? It doesn't make sense for you to build a boat for safety when we've never had rain on earth. Noah did it, and he got results. Those were good results. You may have a problem. You may have a problem, and the Word of God delivers you a solution that may not be logical. It may not be what everybody else is saying for you to do. But nonetheless, if you know it's God, and you find it in the Word of God, and you believe it with all your heart, let me tell you, you're on the way to having results that you can thank God for. Watch, now I'm not finished with the quote. A believer's soul will always agree with God's Word. 
A man can say, well, I can't live the life. It's just too hard. Laodicea is just too difficult. There's too much uh, visual distraction out there. and I, I mean, there's just too many temptations there. And a little girl, Brother Bram, said the other day was converted, and she said, I can't live it, Brother Branham. He said that was reasoning. But when it struck her soul, something became a reality then. Oh, may God give us that kind of an experience that it drops down from here to here and becomes a reality in your life. You can be in the right place and hear the right thing and know it. I will tell you what, you just don't want to have a bunch of people who know it and can repeat it. You want to have people that it drops down and automatically there's a life that's lived there. He says, when it struck her soul, it became a reality. It's not reasoning anymore. It's taking God at His word. A real born-again believer agrees with the word. Here's another place Brother Bram says it. I've got dozens. I'm not going to read dozens. When you see the preachers and things that say, well, the days of miracles and it's past, and all of this is nonsense, just remember, he doesn't know God. That's one sure thing. Now, you've got you to gotta stop for a minute. You've got to just be a little bit uh, compassionate with Brother Branham and realize that there's probably uh, the majority of comments that he would have had would have sounded like criticisms, not agreements. Because, number one, he wasn't a Trinitarian. And number two, he claimed that Jesus Christ was the same yesterday, today, and forever when most people coming out of a seminary believed in one way or another that the days of miracles cease when the apostolic age was over. They have no basis for that in truth, but that's what they were taught. You know why? Because in their ranks, in the denominational circle, there are no miracles produced. Right? You can't put the wrong, thing, wrong seed in there and expect the right results. Right? And so, therefore, Brother Branham heard this a lot, that, uh, you know, the days of miracles is past, and this is all nonsense, this is mind reading, and you hear Brother Branham picking that up in the meetings. You can imagine how many times Brother Branham just must have went beyond that and just, just went past that. I remember Brother Green told me one time, he said, Brother Branham, how in the world do you deal with all these different denominational ideas and all this different stuff that goes on in the meetings? So many people disagree with you, influential people, smart people, and they disagree with you, and they're sitting there. They may not say anything, but you can discern the thoughts and the intentions of their heart. Brother Green said, Brother Branham, how do you do it? Brother Branham said, I do this. He said, I go to the Scripture. If, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. He said, my job is not to criticize or correct everybody. My job is to lift Christ up. And he said, if I can do that and people will come to him, then they'll get the right understanding. I don't need to teach it to them. They'll get a revelation of it, and that's a great big different thing than my convincing versus the revelation of the Holy Spirit. So he said, I'm not here to put out all the brush fires, and I'm not here to satisfy everybody's questions. I'm here to lift Christ higher. And if I, if I be lifted up, then I'll draw all men unto me. Hold on now. For God will always, always agree with his own word. Certainly he will. I got that underlined, because I need you to think about this for a minute here. God will always agree with his own word. So if you say you have the Holy Spirit, and I'm not, I'm not questioning that. I'm just going by your testimony, because you're not, you know, if, if you're not seeking it here today, I assume you've got it. And if you've got it, isn't that nothing less than God? Because the Holy Spirit's not another person, right? The Holy Spirit is the person of God, right? We believe that. And if, it, God will always agree with his own word. So tell me how that you could have 
Christ in you and disagree with his own word that he wrote. If there's a disagreement there, then really God somehow, somewhere is confused. And I will tell you something, my God is not confused about anything. He's not confused about anything. And he never makes scripture fight scripture. And if your life and your energy is spent trying to debate God's word and contest what God has said, you're really wasting your time. As I got news for you, you ain't going to win. You're better off surrendering because full surrender and full obedience entitles you to the token. Now watch what he says. Stay with me here. And there's no Holy Spirit there. There's no Holy Spirit there. It's all intellectual. God will always agree with his own words. Certainly he will. There's no Holy Spirit there. It's all intellectual. Intellectual. Wow. You mean a person who is a church person could have intellectual faith? I'm going to say this to all of you or all of us. We all have a portion of intellectual faith. There's things you know because you've learned it. And, I'm, and hang on now as we look at this. There's no Holy Spirit there. It's all intellectual. He might be as polished and straight as a gun barrel, but that don't make him right with God. Remember, a born-again believer will always agree with God's Word. It will always agree, agree with the Word. Are we okay with that? Here's a beautiful picture. Brother Bam, again, he's talking about Ruth. There was one named Ruth, a daughter-in-law. He said, which was a type again of the Gentile bride, kissed her mother-in-law and said, I'll forsake everything. I'm going with you, Naomi. Let your people be my people. Let your God be my God. Wherever you die, there I'll die. Where you're buried, there I'll be buried. And he said, that's it. That's what God wants. It's not borderline or halfway, but it's an absolute full surrender to the kingdom of God. So when she made that full surrender and full obedience to the word of God, let me tell you, the results came. Things happened in her life. Results came. And she was blessed because of that. She made a full surrender to the kingdom of God. And remember, full obedience entitles you to the token, doesn't it? Not your rational understanding of the Word of God, but your full obedience to the Word of God entitles you to the token. I'm being repetitive. I know I'm being repetitive. If you say amen, you know what? You'll get me to move on real fast. Now, I mentioned this on Wednesday night, and I need you to take your Bible here, if you don't mind, Leviticus chapter 19. Now, this is a, this is a teaching here uh, in, in a real sense, but I, I, want you, I want to just retouch this again. Leviticus chapter 19. We find at the end of the chapter, at the end of the chapter here, a statement in 37, and it says, Therefore shall ye observe all my statutes and all my judgments and do them. I am the Lord. He mentions this this particular phrase. He repeats that phrase three or four times in the chapter. I'm God. I've got a word. I've got a way. And these are my commandments, and these are my judgments, these are my statutes. Therefore, observe them and do them. And this is what God wants in this whole chapter. If you think the Old Testament is just for Jews and it's not effective anymore, you, re- you take time and read through this chapter and see how much of it. It was taken actually almost even word for word and applied in the New Testament, and it's even applicable for us today. It's amazing how much this one particular chapter, it's a lazy thing for you to say that the Old Testament doesn't belong to me or doesn't apply. I will tell you it does because it's all the word of God. And we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Isn't that right? And we're not Jews and we don't go to Jerusalem every year. Too bad. But uh, we're, we, we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Here's the point. The point is, I'm God. I've got a word. That's first in your life. Easy to say. 
And the Lord spake unto Moses, verse 1, saying, I think it's great that that little phrase is in there because we know where this is coming from. This is not Moses speaking to the congregation of Israel. This is God speaking to Moses and Moses speaking to the congregation. So we know the source of this, right? And when God has a major prophet on the earth, remember now, you're not dealing with just Moses here. You're dealing with God saying something through his microphone, and then it sounds out on the earth. How many believe that's the same scenario we have today? It's not, I mean, you can fool around with Brother Ram's quotes, but I will tell you, you got you to understand, you got to keep in mind who's behind those statements. you got to remember who's behind the statements here. Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say unto them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord, am holy. He begins in verse 3, describing how holiness is expressed or lived to the children of Israel. The commandment is that ye shall be holy, for I am the Lord. And if you want to enjoy my presence, there's a certain way for you to live and conduct yourself. Here it is. In verse 3, ye shall fear every man his mother and his father, and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Now, when I, I, I guess I got, had the kind of a mind, you know, a junior inquisitive mind, but I, I thought, wow, that's a reversal of the commandments here, because uh, the commandment about the Sabbath is the fourth commandment, and that comes uh, first in order ahead of uh, the, the one about parents. Honor your parents, uh, your mother and your father in the earth, that your days may belong upon the earth. And I thought, well, that's a reversal of the order, and I wonder why that is. So I began to investigate, and I began to probe and try to uh, seek the Lord about what that actually, what, what, what's being said here. And then I realized that in the Hebrew language, and this is, the, you, know, you don't need this to pass the test, but just for your information, the word and here, and keep my Sabbaths, is a single letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And it is uh, very often attached to the last word uh, before where that and is. So um, it would say, He shall fear every man his mother and his father. And to be an extra little uh, letter there at the end of father. And, and then it would say, Keep my Sabbaths. That word and uh, can mean two things. It can mean and and but. Now, put the word but in there for a moment. Now, I'm not trying to change the scripture. I'm just illustrating now what the actual Hebrew translation is, all right, for our own understanding here. So I just put it on here so you don't have to imagine it. You shall fear every man his mother and his father, but keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Meaning, meaning, now remember what God just said to Moses here. You shall be holy, for I am the Lord your God. I, Lord your God, am holy, and speak unto the children of Israel. These are my statutes, and these are my commandments, and so forth. Here's number one. You shall fear your mother and your father. Respect them. You should honor them, which is, which is true and right. But he says, keep my Sabbaths. So in other words, when we, we're talking about little children... Uh, you know, this, this is uh, obviously nature tells us that little children are guided by their parents and told where to be and told where, where to go. But for a believer now, for someone who's able to read the commandments, for someone who's an adult who makes decisions, at the end of the day, the important thing for you to do is to keep my Sabbath, keep my word. 
If you have a father and a mother that say to you, oh, you don't need to go to Jerusalem this year. You don't need to go offer the sacrifice. You did it last year. And you know what? We offered a double portion of the lamb, so therefore you don't need to offer it this year. You don't need to go. We've got a sporting event over here that we wanted to go to. It's a family. We wanted to do it as a family, and you don't need to go. God is admonishing the children of Israel. Uh, listen, uh, I want you to honor your, your mother and father. And when they guide you in the right way, according to the word of God, you honor that. Because, you know, that's, that's, that's what I put in place as, you know, godly parents to help you. But at the end of the day, as you grow into an accountable adult, you keep my word. Keep my Sabbaths. There will be all kinds of things out there that will distract you. But I want you to keep my Sabbaths. I want you to keep my word. Does that make sense? You know why? Because you shall observe all my statutes. And all of my judgments, look on the top line, and do them, I am the Lord. This is not God telling the children of Israel to be rebellious. This is not that at all, as I mentioned on Wednesday night. This is not God telling you, hey, disregard everything that your parents say. This is not what he's telling them at all. But he's saying, at the end of the day, every accountable adult in the, in the children of Israel, in the camp of Israel, has one responsibility first and foremost, and that is, he's going to believe the word. He's going to act on the word. Is that right? And he can't, he should not, he must never let anything distract him from full obedience to the word of God. Are you following me? This is what God is trying to reiterate uh, among them very carefully. That uh, this, let me tell you something. A a born-again believer, listen, a born-again believer agrees with the word. Now, the children of Israel were not, they didn't have the Holy Spirit like you have, but they had commandments and ordinances and statutes, and God made them all very clear, like this. And, and, he, and he spoke things, thou shalt not commit adultery, and thou shalt honor the Lord thy God with all thy might and all thy heart and all thy strength and so forth. All of those commandments were given to the children of Israel because uh, that's the way God phrased them for them, but they never had the Holy Spirit. How much more important would it be for us who claim to have the Holy Spirit and are born again, and then... Look at God's word and disagree with that or, you know, back off from that and say, I'm going to do what my friends want. I'm going to do what my parents want, you know, contrary to the word. I'm going to do something else. Hey, listen, you've not only got the commandment, but you've got the Holy Spirit that's in your heart to help you walk in those commandments and to keep those commandments. I'm just saying. Whether it's a relationship, whether it's a habit, Whether it's friends, no matter what it is, a job, career, sports, whatever it is, there should be nothing that comes before your service and obedience to God. Hey, listen, if you you want to lose weight, there's some sacrifice involved. Everyone who's ever tried knows what I mean. I don't like skinny people. I don't trust them. But I will tell you this. If you're going to walk in full obedience, there's a sacrifice to that. And I'm not here to tell you it's an easy thing. It's not an easy thing. It's a tough thing to walk in full obedience. For Abraham to go down to the store and go there to Babies R Us and buy all those supplies and tell everybody in the store, you know, why, when they asked him, why are you buying this stuff, for your grandchildren or granddaughter or whatever? No, I'm buying it for myself and my wife. Aren't you the one that parked in a handicapped spot outside? Yeah, that's me. My wife's in the, in the motorized uh, shopping cart. Yeah, that's us. 
You can imagine what they must have said behind Abraham's back. But nonetheless, he believed it. And he knew because, uh, let me tell you, a, a godly believer agrees with God's word. Are we okay? <clears throat> Jesus picks this up in Mark 10. And he said, Verily I say unto you, there's no man that has left house, brethren, sisters, father or mother, wife, children, lands, for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and so forth in the world to come, and eternal life. You see the parallel between what Moses is telling them back there and what Jesus is telling the people up here? There is one guiding principle that should be prominent in your life, and that is to agree with the Word of God and do it. Are we okay? Now listen. That's why God gives the Holy Ghost to help you actually fulfill it. Because he knows, he knew how difficult this is. They never fulfill it in the Old Testament. Now, let's go a little bit further. Here's another example of full obedience. Now, just before the coming of the righteous one, and this is about Zechariah and Elizabeth, he said the great God sent an angel down, and that angel, Gabriel, came to a home that was a respected home. And if you want angels to visit your home, be like Zechariah's home. If you want, if you want a supernatural visitation in your home, make your home like Zechariah's home. And this is how he described it. He said, him and Sarah Elizabeth here was living upright before the Lord, keeping all the statutes and all the commandments of the Lord, living in perfect obedience to the word and the light that they had. Can I read that again? If you want to have a home where angels visit, he said, have a home like Zechariah's home. And he said, they lived upright before the Lord. They kept all the statutes and all the commandments of the Lord, living in perfect obedience to the word and the light they had. I mean, I'm just telling you what the tapes say. Here's where you need to take your Bible again. Let's go to Matthew. Now, if you thought that so far was challenging, I need you to follow me here as we look at this. I'm not trying to ruin your day. I'm just trying to tell you that our need of the Holy Spirit is great, greater than maybe we'd ever imagine. Our need of the Holy Spirit. You, you ought to be praying that your kids get more than just uh, you know, a front seat at HBT. They need to have a living encounter with a living God, one that changes their lives. Then Jesus said unto them, All ye shall be offended. Here he is now with his disciples. He's got a small group. This group has been with him three, three years and a bit. They've seen it. They tasted the wine. They were in the boat when the seas were calmed. These people were observers of the maniac going, uh, the devil going out of the Maniac in Gadara. These are the people who saw the bread and the fish multiplied. Let me go a step further and say these all were handpicked by Jesus. Didn't he pick them all? You twelve, he said. Yet one of you is a betrayer. You twelve, he picked. And all shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, he's, he's the word, quoting the word, I will smite the shepherd, the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you in the Galilee. 
And Peter answered him and said, Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended, yet will I never be offended. There ain't no way. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me three times. And Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise said all the disciples. You know what they did? You know what they did right there? These are the people who were handpicked by Jesus. These are the people who saw the miracles. These are the people who walked with him for three and a half years almost. And you know what they did? They looked at Jesus and they disagreed with the word. No, it ain't going to happen. You know why? Because they hadn't been to the upper room yet. And they have got a classic case of intellectual faith. They're believing with all of their heart. They're believing with all their might. They're trying to do this because, you know what, they look at that logically and say, no, there's no way they're going to take Jesus and kill him. No way they're going to take Jesus and crucify him. And here's the word, taking the word and telling them what's supposed to happen to him. And they're saying, ain't no way. These are not people who are, these are not foreigners. These are not people who are unfamiliar with the words of Jesus. These are people who sat there. They ate with him. They slept with him. They traveled with him. Uh, they went everywhere with him. They're in the inner circle. And even Peter was in the inner, inner circle of that little group there and taken up on the Mount Transfiguration and all the great things that they had seen in their years and the ministry unparalleled. Nothing like it ever happened in history. And Jesus is telling them what's next. Because that's what the Holy Spirit said he would do, right? I mean, he guides us into all truth and he shows us things to come. Right? The same spirit that was in Jesus is what was poured out to the church. Isn't that right? And so here's Jesus telling them, here's what's going to come. And he says, all men will be offended in me. And, and they're looking at that saying, ain't no way. A real believer does not hear what God says and say, ain't no way. Let me say that again. A real believer doesn't listen to what God says and then say, ain't no way. Ain't going to happen. Not me. I got this. And I have enough experience with you that, I, you know what? I, I got this. This is, I got your back. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there the whole time. And you know what? He's sincere. He's sincere and believing that what he has up here and what he's determined to do is actually going to come to pass. But you know what? We all have news for Peter. And don't you dare be too hard on Peter. But we all have news for Peter. Guess what, Peter? You were wrong until you got something later that you never had that day. Are we okay? I'm not being critical of Peter because I believe every one of us have a, have a mixture of intellectual faith, things we've learned, things we've come to recognize. And then there are, uh, with that, there are revelations that we have that where God has taken His Word and dropped it down into our heart and it's become a revelation and there's nothing at all can move you from that because you've got an experience where God has quickened that Word and made it alive in your heart. I believe most of you have a revelation that God sent a prophet in this last day. I believe that most of you have a revelation that God sent a prophet in this last day. And if you believe that, and God's quickened that to you, let me tell you, a real born-again believer is going to look at what a prophet says or what Jesus says and say, rather than, nope, ain't going to happen, they would say, Lord, give me the strength to overcome this. If that's what's next, Lord, help me to rise above that. 
Lord, if that's what you say, then God have mercy on me in advance. God be with me during those times. I mean, a believer, he's not going to say, Jesus, sorry, you're, you're wrong. It's just like we should not read our Bible and say, you know what, that's wrong. It ain't wrong. We should not take the message and pick and choose what we want to believe and say the rest of it is wrong. But do you know people do that? I wonder, just for fun, for a moment, I wonder if you had an open forum among demons and dark spirits that lived in the days of Brother Branham, because they don't die, they're still around somewhere. But I wonder if you could gather them together, put them behind a shield so they couldn't get you, and started asking them questions about what, what really went on, what they really struggled with in Brother Branham's day. <laughs> I, uh, just, just for a minute, are we all right? You need to have a light moment here for a second here, but just think about this, that if we could ask them questions, we had a panel of people who asked them questions, and you could ask them and say, hey, you guys have been around a long time. You've tormented and twisted up a lot of people and affected a lot of people, put a lot to death over the dark ages and everything else. Tell me, what, what was it like in Brother Bram's day? What was it like when uh, Brother Bram walked out on the platform? I bet there'd be a lot of them that would say this. They would say, well, we kind of, at the end of the day, we kind of wished he was on our team. Wished he was on our side. Because we couldn't stop him. We just couldn't, we just couldn't mess with him. Matter of fact, when he would identify a, a, a sickness in the platform, you know, a demon that affected somebody in the platform, he'd say, how many else are afflicted by that problem out here? And it'd be 10 or 15 people stand up. And he'd say, we all had to go. He healed one and 10 or 15 or other, the rest of us had to go. We, we, it was like he, he just somehow, he did, could just take things and multiply. You know what? That was not William Branham. That was Christ in him operating a gift. Because he walked in obedience to God and in obedience to his word and the commission that was given to him. And therefore, all that kingdom of darkness was affected by the authority of a man who walked in obedience with God. And you know what? We stacked up every denomination on earth, in practically every nation on earth. In India, we had all those priests and Jains and Sikhs and everybody else. And they all gathered together and in Africa and the witch doctors and everything else. And hey, I was the guy that conjured up the storm in the middle of the tent. And I looked over and here's Brother Branham standing there on the platform. And somebody told me this, who was there at that event in Germany. And Brother Branham's just standing on the platform like this. And he's just kind of got his head bowed. Storm is raging inside the tent. And his brother said, I told you before, he ran outside, sun shining, runs back in, and there's wind blowing and lightning and thunder going on in the tent. Confusion. And people running around. And here's Brother Bram just standing there, but his head slightly bowed and just, you know, waiting to take this thing under his control. And those demons would have said, man, it would have been great to have him on our side. would have been great because we couldn't ruffle his feathers. We couldn't get him, uh, you know, twisted away. We couldn't pull him with money, popularity, and women. We couldn't do it. You know what? Let me tell you something. I thank God for Brother Branham, but Brother Branham was a human being just like you and I. I believe he had a special gift. I believe he had special uh, blessings that were given to him in a commission with the gift of healing. I believe he had all of that. But I say this, that you and I have the same Holy Ghost that fell on the day of Pentecost 
That's the same Holy Ghost that Brother Branham had. Come on, somebody say amen. That's the same Holy Ghost. And therefore, in our lives, in our lives, I wonder what devils say about you. I wonder what they say about me. I think it's a real compliment if a devil says, man, we'd like to have him on our side. Like him and our team. I don't, I, I'm not saying this for the wrong reason, because you folks know me and you, you understand, even our visitors, you know me well. But let me just say this. I, I believe that, uh, you know, the, the forces of darkness, they cannot really be overjoyed by the fact that we print and send out books and Bibles and every language under the sun and send them all over the world in the hands of every believer at zero cost to every believer in the face of the earth. Uh, you know what? I, I think they would probably, I think they would probably say, I'm not sure, but I think they'd probably say, man, I wish we had him on our team and he could spread our messages as quickly as he spreads that one. But let me ask you a simple question. Do you think the devil is happy with that? Do you think his demons are happy with that? Do you think that they would torment a guy who did things like I'm not, I don't have a martyr complex. I don't have a martyr complex. I'm telling you that sometimes when you walk in full obedience and do what God tells you to do. Brother Caleb said to me this week in a text there, he said, I appreciate all you do for the bride. I said, hey, I'm only doing what I'm told. Me, I'm trying to practice full obedience and doing what God's told me to do. And I'm just using myself as an example here. But there's many, many other good men. There's many other good believers that in the capacity God's given you and in the gift that God has given you and in the sphere God has given you, you still have the challenge of walking in full obedience. And the devil will do everything he can to try to distract you from that. That's why God gave you the Holy Ghost. That's why God gave you the keeping power of the Holy Ghost to hold you to fulfill what God's called you to do. And to help you withstand the criticisms and the comments and the disagreements and all of the other slander that comes your way. Would he like to discourage me? Would he like to discourage you? Would he like, would, would the forces of darkness like to discourage me and you? Would the forces of darkness like to bring disunity among us? Would the forces of darkness like to stop the momentum? Come on, folks. This battle is real. This is not, I, you know, I don't share all the things that go on and all the things that are said. But I'll tell you what, you know, like we come through the virus era here and, uh, you know, kind of coming out on the other end here. I will tell you what, <clears throat> I ain't never seen anything like it. And I don't fully understand it all yet, and I live through it. Where you can make a decision and say, let's have church. And people say, how, can, how, how in the world can you? You don't care. And then you say, all right, we're going to cancel church. And people say, you're an unbeliever. I've been called an unbeliever. You know what shunning is? Shunning? I don't know if you've ever been shunned before. Shunning is a real thing in a spiritual sense. Shunning is a real thing, and it isn't very pleasant. Shunning happens. Shunning happens because that demon, whatever it is that, that caused that back whenever, let me tell you, that same thing is still around here. And I will tell you, when you stand for God's Word, Satan is quick to send out his shunning demons to try to, you know, have people shun you and make you feel like you're, you're a nothing, make you feel like you're a nobody. Begin to cause you to question your own commission that's given to you by God, the things that you're called to do. Come on, folks, this is not a, this is not just a parade. This is not just something that we're in it because it makes us feel good. 
You have one commission to me, and one commission only, and that is that you are born of the Word, and you have the Holy Spirit in you, and if that's true, the Holy Spirit in you is not going to disagree with His Word, and your job every day ought to be, Lord, help me line up with your Word today, and guard me from making a mistake where I would offend you in some way. And what you say about me, I will believe. James takes this and he says, Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils believe and tremble also. Do you believe the devils are saved? Do you believe the devils are saved because they just believe? Devils can have intellectual faith. So can you. Intellectual faith doesn't hold to the end. I said the other day, Brother Random, teaching here in 1962, the first thing God gave his people was to fortify them was the word, and he's never changed. And that's one thing will be worked, thing that will be worked, that is the word. And the only way we can come by the word is through the blood. The only place that anybody ever worshipped God had to come under the blood. And the blood is the life. And the life of you always will agree with the Word. Always with the Word. Where was the life? It's in the blood. Will you come under the blood? It will always agree with the Word. Always with the Word. I'm, I'm being repetitive on purpose here because this is really good. There is so many people say that if you quiver, hold your eyes shut, do all kinds of things and get sensations, he said you get spirits, friend. But if your life doesn't tally with what you're professing, there's something wrong with the spirit you've got. You've got a spirit all right. <laughs> there's kind of a newfound fascination with demons and devils these days. And uh, you know what? If you feel like your ministry is built on demons, you're going to go find some demon to throw out, to cast out can become an obsession. And that's not a good thing because you start calling things devils that are not devils at all. And then the people start thinking, I must have a devil. I must have a devil. I must have a demon here. And it becomes very confusing. It becomes very dangerous. In my life, I've seen very few face-to-face. I know they exist and I know that they're real and I know that they influence people and so forth. I know that. I understand. I know people that probably, I'm not talking about anybody in this church here, but I know people that probably are affected by an evil spirit, an active evil spirit. I've come in contact with devils and different things that must must have been in my experiences overseas, especially in strange countries, and coming in contact with things. Even when I was a sinner, came in contact with some things that had an enormously evil presence about them and just a darkness that you couldn't even cut with a knife. I mean, it was just, just incredible. A darkness that you could almost cut with a knife. It's incredible. Here's Brother Branham now, who, one who's much, much more familiar with, any of, with this than any of us. And he's telling us here, you go about seeking the right thing the wrong way, and you're going to open yourself to the wrong things. Follow me. Now, I'm almost done here. You go, you go seeking the right thing the wrong way, and Satan's going to jump on that. He says, there'll be spirits all right. 
And Brother Branham had it in his own church after, as I told you, after he'd leave the building and go out and they'd have an altar call and, you know, trying to convince people to speak in tongues. And, and Brother Branham would come back and try to correct it and try to come back and correct it. Here's, here's what's important. The Holy Spirit will bring forth a holy life. And if you've got to force yourself to try to press and do what's right, and the world's still hungry in you, then there's something wrong. The Holy Spirit in you will not hunger for the world. It will hunger for God. Hey, listen, you might have come from a bad background. You might have lots of complexes, or you might have lots of bad habits, or you might have lots of things that you did in the world and all the rest of it there. But I don't know about you. I mean, I did when I came out of the world and came into the faith. And I just, I just uh, you know, I, there's things you fight and there's things you wonder about, and you think, well, this is not a bad thing, and I used to do it in the world. And uh, I, I learned very early on in the game. Some, some minister told me, he said, just take whatever it is, whatever question you have, and just lay it on the altar. Just give it to God for a while and watch what he says. Watch how he directs you in the word. Watch what scripture he gives you. And I said, give, just lay it on a, like put it on a plate and leave it before God. Kind of that in your image, in your mind. And he says, go to church next Sunday and listen to what the preacher's saying. Probably God's going to give you an answer that way. Because that's a gift to the church, the ministry. And so, as we all have questions and we all have issues, you know, uh, uh, Brother Hunter here, you know, come in and there's lots of things. I mean, live, live for God a very short time. Got, got a whole life that, that's preceded that. So now you wonder, okay, what's okay to bring with me as I go into, into this new walk? And sometimes when there's a question and you don't know the answer, the thing to do is just to lay it before God and just say, Lord, give me, give me a clear answer so I'll know. Because I don't want to walk forward grieving you. I don't want to be carrying the wrong thing with me as I go forward. The Holy Spirit will bring forth a holy life. And so therefore, if we're just trying to do what's right and afraid of getting caught, you still don't have the right thing. If you're trying to avoid punishment, you still don't have the real thing. The Holy Spirit in you will not hunger for the world. It will hunger for God. And it's hard for you to go to church and press yourself to come when the church open. Something wrong with that spirit is trying to keep you away from God. Let's say this, because it's in bold here. Let's say it again. If you've got something in your life that's keeping you away from God or pushing you gradually, little by little, away from God, it's probably the wrong spirit. Is that clear? Now, I don't care what it is. I don't care what form it takes. But let me tell you what preceded that temptation you have is Satan studying you to find a weak area that he can insert something or someone or some, something in there that gets your attention. Because he studies you. The Spirit of God will run you straight to the church every time the door opens for fellowship. You've got to be sure of this now. You've got to be sure of this. Because the time's at hand. You've got to be sure of this now. And I'll tell you what, the whole thing at the end of this, you know, whatever, however long the series goes, and if this is the end of it, that's, that's, uh, that's fine. But the whole thing is this, is that I want to I be able to minister to you as sure believers. Sure-footed believers. I know what I got. I don't want to be like a Peter just making professions here that really are based on nothing. Because you know what? I'm sure Peter must have regretted that after the day of Pentecost and said, man, I wish I would not have said that. I wish it wouldn't have been recorded that, you know, Jesus was wrong about what he said. I don't know about you, but I, for all you young people that are here, I want to have, I want to have the real thing. 
I want to have the real thing. I don't want to have this, this attitude that, you know, Jesus says something. I'm going to rail right up against it because, you know what, that's, that's not what I want. That's not, that's not right. And yet it was Scripture. I want to have a desire. I want to have the desire that is really his desire pulling me to the right place, pulling me to the church, pulling me into the right fellowship, not drawing back, not running away, pulling me into the right fellowship. I've got to make things right. I've got to ask forgiveness, or I've got to do something, or I've got to repent of something, got to cut something off, whatever it is. Lord, give me that. Lord, you put that in me. Give me that heart to do that. I don't want to do it just because Brother Barry said it, and I don't want to do it just because if I don't, I might get caught or called out. I don't want to do that. I want my life to be just kind of like an open vessel that you can flow through whenever you want to, and whatever you want to do in my life, you can do it. There's no hindrance. There's no, no barriers. There's no hesitation at all. You can just kind of flow right, right through me. Whenever you want to knock on my door, I'll answer. I don't want to run and hide like Adam and Eve did. I want to have that. And I, like Brother Bram says, you've got to be sure now. He's wanting people to be sure. We've had gifts. We've had spirits. We've had all kinds of things. had church services, great revivals, all the rest of it. And you know what? It's all good. But you've got to be able to leave this series and say, i got the real thing. I know what God requires. I know what God, the Word of God says. i got the real thing. Let's stand. If you're wondering where they got the real thing and you really desire it, you ought to pray and ask God to give it to you and say, Lord, fill my cup. Give me the stability. Give me the anchor. Uh, I mean, I don't think I need to convince anyone that our lives in America where for many years we were immune to much of the struggle and tragedy of third world countries, our country in America can be greatly affected very quickly by events that happen in the world, right? By enemies. And I don't know, I mean, I don't, I don't get up in the morning and wish for something worse than what we've just been through, uh, but I would say this, that... Uh, whenever you find the word pestilence in the, in the Bible, it's pestilences. It's plural. And, you know, that we'll have that right to the very end. Because doesn't the Bible say that everything that can be shaken will be shaken? Lord, I'm asking you to give me what cannot be shaken. That's, that's your simple prayer. Give me what cannot be shaken. Because that has to come from God. Because if that's... If that comes from God, then let me tell you, God's not going to shake his own self out of the will of God, right? So, God, give me whatever it is that I need not to be shaken. You young people need that. You need it real good. You need it real solid. You need to be able to not, hey, are there temptations? Yeah. Are there troubles, you know, that we, we all run into? Yeah. Are there traps out there that I'm attracted by? Yeah. All of that is there. All of that is real. And sometimes we just need to come to an altar and repent and pray and ask God to forgive us and, you know, give us the strength not to fall into that trap again. Well, I will tell you what. I want my desire is, not, my, not sometimes what I do and what I say, but I want God to look at my heart and say, Lord, look at my desire. My desire is to get it right, do it right, be right, and go to the right place. Whatever it takes to get me to get there, that's what I'm after. Sorry to be so simple, but I, I, the whole point is we just want you to be sure.
Time's at hand. That's what he says, the time's at hand, so you've got to be sure. Because it's a good time to be sure. It's a good time to know. good time to be confident of where you stand with God. I'm going to make it. He's already said I would. Let's sing that this morning here together. I'm sorry to be so long. Let's, let's, just, let's just sing and worship. All right. This morning. Would that be all right? Let's do that. I'm going to make it. He's already said that I would. And I'll keep on trusting. That he's working everything for my good. He walks beside me, and heaven is in my view. Working everything for my good. He walks beside me. sing it together now. Just raise your hands. Just make it your declaration this morning. Lord Jesus, I believe I'm one of yours. I'm gonna make it for he's already said that I would. And I'll keep on trusting that he's working everything for my good. And he walks beside me. that this morning draw me close to you let's put the words up there never let me go be flat we've got it here draw to you never let me go I'd lay it all 
without the music now. You're all I want. You're moment when all the other things in the world should be a distance from our hearts 
Lord, just, just tell them, just, Lord Jesus, I love you, and I, I want to love you more, and I want to feel your arms around me. Uh, Lord, I want to live in full obedience to your word. Everything you say, Lord, make it clear. Make it real to me, Lord. Just give me a heart that's full of a desire to, to live and walk in full obedience. That's what he wants to hear you say. That's what he wants to hear you sing. Don't just mouth the words, but just from your heart now. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love. Falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever done. And in His arms, in His arms, I feel protected. In His arms, everything's connected. I feel protected. There's no place I'd ever rather be. Born of falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with But in praying that we find 
presence, Lord, we're reminded of that picture in the Old Testament. It's given to us, Lord, with a high priest who would be all dressed and have the stones in his breastplate, Lord, that represented all the children of Israel. So everyone had representation with this high priest. And Lord, the last thing that happened was that the prophet would take the oil and just pour it over him. So the oil covered every tribe, every stone, every part of that high priest. And he was bathed in that oil, which was a symbol of the unity of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I believe that we as an assembly, Lord, how how we as believers, and we should be believers, we should believe your word and trust you, Lord. What great things, what great things we invite you to do among us because we believe and we trust you. I pray to God that everything that might be a hindrance would be removed, that it would be bound in the name of Jesus Christ. That, Lord, every critical spirit, everything that is contrary to the moving of the Holy Spirit, it may have no place in here. But, Lord, our souls would win. Our souls would come in in first place. Our souls would be gathered together in agreement with your word. Father, may the Holy Spirit have free course among us. That the sick may be healed. That, Lord, that the discouraged may be encouraged. That, Lord, in marriages and families and teenagers, Lord, every one of us may be edified in the presence of Almighty God. Lord, we want to create that atmosphere. We want to keep that atmosphere. We want to do everything we can to take that atmosphere home with us. Lord, we want to live in a way that's pleasing to you. Help us, I pray, dear God, that we might keep that that phrase, that thought in our minds, full obedience. It's the way we want to walk. Help us, Lord, I pray. Help us where we are, because we are what we are until you change us. And so, Lord, we just commit our hearts into your keeping. Minister to every soul, every family, Lord, that's gathered here today. We'll give you thanks and praise. We believe you still to be a healer and a God of mercy. And, Lord, for those that are wrestling and dealing with things, Lord, even if they're emotional things, mental things, Lord, physical things, that there's nothing that's too great for you. You're a God of power. You're a God of strength. You're a God of mercy. And, Lord, we commit these needs to you. We trust you. We believe you. And we invite you, Lord, to go with us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. stay a little bit. If anybody needs prayer, I'd be glad to do that, obviously. If you want to linger, if you want to stay and sing a little bit, it's just such a nice atmosphere. It kind of feels like a shame to go, but uh, may God bless you. We appreciate you being here today. I have a maker. He formed my heart. Before. 
Yeah. 
God still moves. Oh, God still moves. God still moves in the hearts of His people. God still moves. He does not sleep. Does He sleep? 